You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Since that, one simple sentence, fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking, what was the Clone Wars? idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the, the canvas of what Star Wars is about. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host Caitlin and welcome to Clone Wars Month. Oh my god. It's February. It's Clone Wars month. But first, we have to talk about our amazing intro that you just heard that Blast Points did for us. And I'm obsessed. I am too. Oh, man. It's so good. If you've ever listened to Blast Points podcast, you know that they're amazing audio engineers and they just pull out clips and we asked them to do that for us. And we were so, so, so thankful that that is what they came back with and oh my god it's so perfect we love we, it we, we literally love it we literally were thinking about it for a month before we actually asked <laughs> we were like wouldn't it be because we were planning clone wars month and we were like wouldn't it be like so cool because we usually end up talking about the blast points episode after we listen to it and there's always like amazing the, the clip it's not just that they have movie clips like oh no 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 like if you never listen to blast points they literally have audio clips from anything that has ever existed in the time of star wars anything yes commercials yes. interviews dvds bonus features you name it they got it and um, we were like, wouldn't it be like so crazy if like like I wish we could have like a blast points kind of intro? And then we're like, oh, we could ask them. And then they made us one for Clone Wars Month, and it is so great, and we're so excited. And thank you so so much, Jason and Gabe. We are over the moon excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. So it is finally February. And that means that Clone Wars is just right around the corner. We're getting the final season soon on Disney Plus. Can you believe that we're this close to finally seeing the ending? I feel like it was only yesterday that last year we were watching what's coming in Star Wars, the the year in upcoming uh, Star Wars content. Remember that video that they posted on Star Wars, the YouTube channel? And we were like, why wasn't Clone Wars yeah. mentioned in the 2019 year? <laughs> we're like, I thought it was coming this year. But no, it's coming in 2020. Do you remember that? That, that panic? We, we spent all of 2019 going, okay, but wins the date <laughs> yeah and we were duped in in the in, in the celebration panel um yes. we were like oh yeah yeah i can't wait for clone wars and then we left we we're like wait when is it again <laughs> they they buttered us up with a with a trailer they that they didn't ever release online <laughs> and gave us no date and dave was like none of you are in my trust tree and i'm out <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I just think it's so funny how we walked out of that being like, the best panel ever. Yeah, yeah. Love that. We learned so much. And then we were like, wait. We know nothing. We know nothing. <laughs> we don't know the most important thing. <laughs> but it's here. It's here. It's February 2020 and it's coming soon. I mean, it's not here yet. That's why we're starting the month off talking about the Clone Wars. But I, uh, it's it's really soon. Can't believe it. 
I just, I cannot believe that we're going to be talking about new Clone Wars on Sky Talkers. It's, it's bananas. I just, I, know. I can't believe it. If you guys, if anyone has been around Sky Talkers for any amount of time, you know that we don't go an episode without talking about Dave Filoni <laughs> and the Clone Wars and look to the animation department for the future of Star Wars is probably our most favorite saying. We actually have a t-shirt on it that our friend, with that quote on it, that our friend James designed that you can get on Tee Public. <laughs> yeah, it's true. If, shameless plug, if you're interested in that. But uh, Clone Wars has such a special meaning to Charlotte and I, and I'm sure we'll be getting into it over the next couple of weeks. And I'm pretty sure we just talked about it, too. <laughs> we did, on our trailer episode. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like I can't wax poetic about it quite so soon um but i'm sure it will come in the next episode so just look out for that i guess if you want to hear but but clone wars is so important and we're so excited to i I just like i like clone wars is is so good (laughs) and i mean clone wars was when we started listening to podcasts was yeah. we, it was it was to hear Dave and Sam and Matt and Ashley and Henry and and all of them start talking about cloners. A lot of them were doing interviews on podcasts at the time. And that's when we started listening to podcasts too, was because we wanted to hear their thoughts. And this is full circle. <laughs> it really is. Not that they're coming on our show, but you can email any of those people if you have their email addresses and tell them to come on Sky Talkers. It would no skin off life. my back. <laughs> yeah. You go for it. I don't think we've even announced this, but we are doing an entire month devoted to Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So starting with this episode, which is going to be all about the Clone Wars movie that came out in 2008, I am excited to bring a whole slew of content about the Clone Wars even before we start the show, because I think it'll put us all in the mindset It's been so long since The Clone Wars has been airing, and I think that there's so much good, there's good interviews, there's just so much valuable storytelling that's in The Clone Wars that I think is, since The Clone Wars is nonlinear storytelling, I think that it's, you think about it in chunks, you think about it, I don't know, I struggle sometimes to remember certain parts because I think it is so detailed, and even I just hope that by revisiting it in this way on the podcast that it sparks so many more memories in the uh, in discussions about how rich the storytelling is in this series. Yeah, I totally agree. Charlotte and I have this kind of running thing where she never remembers Clone Wars episodes and I never remember Rebels episodes. <laughs> we're, we're a good balance in that way, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be digging in. We have basically we have three pre-Clone Wars Clone Wars episodes that are going to be coming your way before February 21st. And so this is this is pre-Clone Wars Clone Wars number one, where we're talking about the Clone Wars movie and y'all the clone wars movie it's on disney plus mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is what's funny is that the clone wars movie was one of the very first things that charlotte and i talked about on the podcast that we actively decided to never actually upload for the podcast <laughs> back when we were still recording in my closet in my college apartment um we recorded a whole commentary of the clone wars movie and we had no idea what we were talking about and we were both so miserable and hot by the end of the movie that we were like 
this will never see the light of day. And I'm pretty sure it's an, it like got deleted off your computer. I don't even no, think No, I you still have it. it. It's, oh. it's on a hard drive. Oh, no. I didn't yeah. think you still had it. Oh, no, I have it. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, it is bad. It's never it's never going anywhere. <laughs> it was, it, so there were just so many long stretches of silence. And Charlotte and I were in the closet, crammed in the closet, looking at each other like, you say something. No, you say something. No, you say something. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But now now we're now we're seasoned podcasters. So now we have things to say. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, we do. We do. I have a lot to say about the Clone Wars movie. I'm actually a pretty big fan of the Clone Wars movie, which I think is a controversial opinion in the Star Wars fandom. Um, I think it's a fun time. It's a good slew of, I think, Clone Wars episodes, and it always makes for a fun time for the introduction of Ahsoka and to kind of, and honestly, the introduction of Rex, too, and, uh, you know, learning as much as we can about the beginning of this show that will go on for years and years and years and will totally transform. So it's fun to look back on it. Yeah, I think it's especially important now like literally coming back to the very first thing that was released from this series as we prepare for the final season of it, it is really important. And watching it, I mean, I always kind of watch, I watch a lot of clips from the Clone Wars movie, honestly. I watch a lot of Anakin Ahsoka fan videos um, and they always have clips from the Clone Wars movie. So I feel like I remember certain parts of it really well, but I don't actually sit down to watch the Clone Wars movie all too often. But it was it was really nice like this weekend to sit down and watch it kind of really thinking about everything that came after it, where the show went, where the characters went, and the fact that we're coming back to them and are going to see, as Dave has said very explicitly, the end of the Clone Wars journey is kind of incredible. And I it, it made for a really interesting viewing experience. Totally. So let's jump into it. So in part one, we're going to be discussing the history in part two, we're going to be talking about the story. And in part three, we're going to be talking about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So that, of course, was my main focus, is making a Star Wars that George Lucas was proud of, obviously proud enough to want to put it up on the big screen, and we're all thrilled about that. But, uh, you know, hey, fans are passionate, and whether they say for good or for ill about anything, any aspect of it, it's because they love it. You know, they 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 want it to be good. They want it to it. To, they feel an ownership over Star Wars at this point, and I respect that. I mean, in both directions. You know, I I respect the good things I've heard, and I respect when fans says, Ah, why is it animated? Yeah, okay, I get it. But you know, give it a chance and check it out, and I think they'll be surprised because I'm a fan and I like it. Welcome to part one, where we're talking all about the history of the Clone Wars movie. Now, the Clone Wars movie was released on August fifteenth, two thousand and eight, <laughs> which was a while ago. And it was directed by Dave Filoni, produced by Catherine Winder, written by Henry Gilroy, Stephen Melching, and Scott Murphy. And it had a lot of original cast members that came back, such as Sam Jackson and Christopher Lee. But it also was important because it introduced us to uh, new voice actors in the Star Wars universe anyway for Clone Wars. Um, Matt Lantner as Anakin, Skywalker, Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka Tano, and James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And James Arnold Taylor had done the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi in a lot of video games and stuff prior to the Clone Wars, right? Mm -hmm. I believe so. It's not my expertise, but I, I think so. I'm pretty sure he had already been a voice actor for Ewan McGregor. 
And I want to say, we should have looked this up before we got to the history section, but didn't he do the voice of Obi-Wan in the 2D series as well? Yes, he did. Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. That's that's what it is. I was like, you're you're onto something here, but I think it's bigger than the video games. Yeah, but I think I think he did like a lot of, of Obi-Wan in other formats. But yeah. Matt and Ashley, obviously Ashley was brand new, but Matt was brand new to the character of Anakin for It's interesting Clone to Wars. think about that as a carryover from the 2D series, which is so beloved. And rightfully so. It is a great series that is all on YouTube. And it really, I think, altogether, it's only like 20 minutes to watch the whole thing because they were smaller clips and then ended up being longer in the second season. The 2D Clone Wars is fascinating and, like I mentioned, pretty beloved among the fandom. Um, And I think it's interesting to consider the fact that James Arnold Taylor was like essentially a carryover from that series Mm -hmm. when I wonder if that like kind of I, I remember during this time, there was a lot of discussion about, oh, I can't believe they're like redoing the Clone Wars. They're making it canon. Why Why would we, Why would they do that when that was so good? And I think that perhaps the carryover there um, kind of softened the blow a little bit. I mean, that's just me extrapolating, but um, I, I hadn't thought about that until you said that. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think I've ever watched the 2D series all the way through, but I know that you had so many of the episodes on your iPod video. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's how I watched it. <laughs> yeah, and we would watch it. We'd have the the earphone splitter and we'd watch it like in the car or on the bus if we we're on the you know, bus. The, the thing is, is that I bet you've seen it all because it's I really bet I not that long. Yeah. I think I think in my head I'm like, oh it's it's longer than it is. But really I just whenever I think about it, I just think about Anakin and the tattoos. Oh yeah. <laughs> well that's that's the highlight of the entire thing, in my opinion, mm. because that's when it gets it sort of mirrors Mortis uh, Mortis a little bit. And I I feel like that's really the super strong character moment and that's why it stands out. Yeah. Um, while the other stuff is more battle focused and shorter form, and obviously there's no Ahsoka, it's not it's not technically canon, but it it does introduce okay. some interesting things. It's weird. It's like it's very weird. Yeah, we're talking about like weird force stuff. The two D series is definitely weird. Padme does have one of her best outfits though. Her like snow bunny outfit. Yeah, is super so iconic. Cute. Yeah, it's so yeah. cute. <laughs> But uh, what I love about the like the whole Charlotte and I were watching all these interviews and stuff prior uh, to the or about the Clone Wars movie before it came out and right after its release and um, it definitely didn't get the warmest reception when it was first released and uh, watching I was watching this interview with Dave and he just he looked so young. <laughs> And he had a different hat on. Oh my god! (laughs) I know, know, right? It was still a cowboy hat, but it's not—it's—it's not the iconic Dave cowboy hat that we have now. And you can tell. And I'm like, this fits, but it also doesn't fit. He just hadn't found his—he just hadn't found his perfect fit yet. But I, the even even at that point, like when Clone Wars hadn't even come out yet, just his the way that he talked about it, uh, you just knew that that you were in good hands and I thought it was really interesting one of the things he had said is you know he's talking about fandom culture and and he's kind of, the interviewer was kind of alluding to the fact that people didn't like the prequels so why would they like Clone Wars was kind of the the underlying tone of the question mm. and <laughs> the early 2000s were real great yeah Charlie <laughs> <Pistol>. yeah <laughs> 
audibly bristles. <laughs> And he was he was talking about uh you know like like seeing the bigger picture of the story and the complexity that was in the prequels and all that stuff too and and then talking about the Clone Wars specifically he you know said that you know a lot of people were critical about being animation and why would you do that and the thing about Dave is that he's always very um he's always very receptive to how fans perceive things like I'm sure he does on some level but he doesn't show it about taking things personally. And he said, you know, a lot of fans critique it being animation, and I totally understand that, but I hope that you'll just give it a chance. You might be really surprised. And I was like, they were. (laughs) (laughs) But not for a a while. I mean, I think that we were. I was sold. (laughs) I was was sold even before. Yeah, I know. You you weren't. But I I was sold. So it's just – it's funny to even think about that because I was – I think that they – this this movie satisfied probably a lot of people who are listening right now. Um, but even to the outsider, I feel like people are like, oh, that was so random. I think that that's kind of the word that I would use to describe it. I don't think a lot of Star Wars fans liked it when it first came out. I think yeah. a lot of people – I don't think a lot of people liked it and they would come to. Because I think when you see a lot of people recommend Clone Wars, it's always like – Oh well, like the first the first couple of seasons, you know, they're finding their footing, but then, mm-hmm. but then it, you know, it really finds itself, and I think that's true. And I think anyone who worked on it would would probably say the same thing that like season five is not the same as season one. Like season five is a lot better quality because they knew what they were doing, and that's not a knock on the show. That's just how it progressed. Although I do think there are some incredible gems in the first and second seasons of Clone Wars, but the the, the technical aspect of it was not as elevated as it was in season three through five and now in six and seven. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I guess that was a major point that people criticized was the animation and the, f- the feeling of it being so different than what they were used to. Mm-hmm. You know, this came out three years after Revenge of the Sith and Revenge of the Sith was a high and I think that it's sometimes it's it's hard to remember that because especially I wonder how it is for you, Caitlin, who weren't who wasn't really like in tune with the Star Wars fandom, even when that movie came out. But when Revenge of the Sith came out, it was it really felt like, oh, my God, this movie's so good and people love it and people love to see the end of the Star Wars saga. And it it felt like well, the past two were kind of more critically received, but this one this one is really good. And I wonder what that felt like after watching a movie that was, like I said, you know, (laughs) positive on Rotten Tomatoes, essentially. And then three years later, they come out with this animated movie that was pretty jarring, that really perhaps never really was meant to be a movie. And again, I was sold because I just wanted more Star Wars content and I loved the prequels. So I was totally here for it. But I understand as someone who maybe someone who was outside of it all or even really close to it felt like this was a reset in in a bad direction even though again I don't agree with that (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people change their tone though about the series as a whole and that's the nice thing about it being a tv series is you don't have to you know you have your favorite seasons and Mm -hmm. that can be your that can be your thing like season season four rebels is some of the best Star Wars. And so is season five Clone Wars, in my opinion. Uh, the Clone Wars movie now, I wouldn't say it's the best Star Wars out there, but it's 
really nostalgic Star Wars for me. And for that reason, it has a really special place in my heart. But I remember because I didn't become a fan until after Revenge of the Sith came out. And I I watched like the drama of Revenge of the Sith is just so intense. Like it is operatic, literally. It's it's next level drama on the screen. And so to come off of that to then because the thing is it's like I was introduced to Star Wars one through six after it all came out or whatever. But the thing, and this is because this was your favorite too, but the thing we returned to most to right after I became a fan was Revenge of the Sith. That was what mm-hmm. we were always rewatching. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I loved it. All the fan fiction we were reading was always like in between Revenge of the Sith and like a new hope timeline, like the fan videos, they were all Revenge of the Sith heavy. So to go from something like that dramatic, and I'm thir- what are we 13, 14 years old at this time? Mm-hmm. Like, give us the angst you know that's all we live for (laughs) not much has changed but (laughs) to go from that to something like clone wars the tonal shift is so extreme and it is really jarring and i think probably too you had shown me some of the 2d series at that point and i was like whoa (laughs) and i was like the content caitlin (laughs) i was like i don't know about that (laughs) but the anakin implications (laughs) I think you you just want an Anakin content. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it was. It was yes, it wasn't like. I, let I me will think admit about that the, about the, the the meaning of the tattoos on Anakin. It was like, oh my god, Anakin and Padme yeah. together. Yes, and she's got exactly. a cute hood. Yes, that is true. And that is all true. It's funny though because as much as I and we we've talked about this before, but as much as I didn't. Uh, respond immediately to the Clone Wars movie. I was 100% an Ahsoka fan from the minute I saw her. And we, we've talked about this a number of times, but just the idea of having someone that we didn't know the end of their story to was that was the most attractive thing. And it's funny because so many people really hated that about the Clone Wars movie and about Clone Wars coming out was the fact that Anakin had a Padawan. But for me, that was and, – and I think for you too, that was the thing that was like – whoa that's Mm -hmm. so cool like where is she going like she doesn't show up in revenge of the sith what does that mean it was this huge question mark when for someone like me there have been no question marks and i think that's i think that's funny thinking about how it was like a lot of older fans honestly who weren't immediately keen to the idea of ahsoka because she was a question mark whereas for someone like me that was a really attractive feature to the whole series setup Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That there's something that you can figure out that you didn't it it being a question mark was the most endearing thing. Yeah. With with the Clone Wars 2D, I think the question mark, because that was that was produced in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. The question mark was, how's this all gonna end and how that how is this gonna align with Revenge of the Sith? Then you have this series that comes out three years after Revenge of the Sith. Star Wars is over at this point. So how do you introduce a conflict? that makes it a mystery well you have you introduce ahsoka and it worked for you and i both yes it it a hundred percent did <laughs> i i was in love with ahsoka the first second i saw her and uh from the poster to her introduction it was never a question for me i never found her annoying i never it that just wasn't part of my narrative with Star Wars. And it's funny because that was the same thing for Kylo Ren too. It was like I saw him on the poster, the first poster for Force Awakens, and I was like, that's my guy. <laughs> that's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even say a word before we even saw that silly lightsaber. I was like, that's him. 
<laughs> that, that's so true. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and the same was true with Ahsoka. But I think something that's really interesting about like the development of the Clone Wars movie is, you know, I feel like George approached it a lot the same way he approached the films. He, it was very heavy on the technology of developing the technology. I mean, you often, if you go back through interviews about the Clone Wars, they talk a lot about the how it did have almost a cinematic budget on a small screen scale and how that like they were spending more money on the Clone Wars than any other animated show was doing in the industry at the time. And the technology that they were developing for it was revolutionary for the time too. And in some of these early interviews, you know, Dave is talking about, you know, coming under George's wing, yada, 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 learning from him and everything like that. But he's also talking about how George is leading him and teaching him to treat, to treat animation like it is a movie from the way that they're blocking scenes out, like actually blocking out digital scenes and, you know, um, the types of lighting and stuff that they're doing. Like it was meant to be treated like a film and at the same level of film. And you and I are always kind of talking about the hierarchy of mediums when it comes mm-hmm. to Star Wars and that like great Dave quote that we love to talk about, about characters and stories being a footnote. They feel like a foot, they they run the risk of feeling like a footnote if the medium is treated as lesser than. But it was really refreshing because I hadn't listened to a lot of these interviews in a long time before we were doing the notes for this show. But being reminded of the fact that a lot of like what we've heard Dave talk about for years and years in regards to these shows came like that originated from George, too, of like, we're going to spend the money on this. We're going to develop it this way. We're going to block it and write it like it's a movie because that's how I see it. And now, 15 years later... They're motion capturing Ray Park <laughs> for an animated series, you know? That's right. that's so crazy. I just I I imagine that George was just like over the moon when he heard that. You know? I just that trajectory is just so impressive and and so satisfying. It is satisfying. The thing is, is that it makes sense that so I in our in our research I found that this quote from Henry Gilroy he said, early on, Dave and I even pitched to George to use the 235 to 1 widescreen aspect ratio to make it feel like Star Wars and make it very different from other cartoons. George immediately said, go for it. And Catherine, who was the producer, was a little hesitant about this for TV, but we talked her into it eventually. And I think that's really interesting because if the idea of the – because this is true, the Clone Wars movie – perhaps was not developed originally as a movie. It was developed as a a slew of episodes and they strung them together for the movie because George thought it looked cinematic. And truth be told, it did look cinematic because of the way that they shot it, the way that they filmed it, everything that Caitlin just alluded to, but also the aspect ratio. And I find that so interesting that the transition from TV to film and like in a movie theater was kind of seamless because that's exact. I mean, obviously I'm sure there was a lot of work that went into it. I'm not saying that, (laughs) but I I feel like, yeah, that makes sense. Like let's put it in the movie theater is kind of the entire vibe (laughs) because they were already treating it as a cinematic experience. Yeah, it is. It's, it's interesting because a lot of the ways that people talk about the Clone Wars movie is that, Oh, it was, what you said, Charlotte, that it was never meant to be a movie. It was it was episode arcs put together. But for George, he's seeing it all as one cohesive story. And so mm-hmm. for someone and I don't I don't know if it was necessarily the right decision 
to make it a movie the way that he did because it does feel like a series of episodes. But again, this is the thing with George Lucas. It's like, you know that things are done, like he has reasoning behind the choices that he makes. And Mm -hmm. I always appreciate that even if I don't agree with every decision or story choice, I know that there's a reason. Very few things are done flippantly or just because, you know? And so kind of being reminded in these early interviews that a lot of this was direct direction from George and getting being reminded more of, of his internal, I guess, perspective, perception of this series and, and making it a film. It wasn't it wasn't making it a film. It already was in his head. And you think about, too, like, you know, so much of Star Wars is inspired by, you know, like the 40s serialized uh, shorts and, and like little serials that would show before movies. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this is, too. And he's like, oh, of course, it makes sense to put it on the big screen. That's where I was first introduced to this style. And Clone Wars really takes its inspiration a lot from that and that kind of pacing, too. And not only that. It, it was fun to see the beginning of a series in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And this was something that was duplicated, I think, at least one more time throughout the Clone Wars, its run on television. They put the show in in theaters. Um, I saw the Savage Press Darth Maul arc in a movie theater mm-hmm. um, with like a group of fans. And I it was it, it was a great experience. And I, I think that Star Wars should do it more often with their TV shows because it really again, heightens the cinematic experience of the storytelling that's happening because the storytelling is just that powerful. And I feel like it 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 deserves the the sound that George Lucas was always so about, you know? And yeah. yes, the Clone Wars also has that sound, that Dolby Digital, that, uh, well, I guess it wasn't Dolby, huh? It was um, THX, but regardless, <laughs> the, I, I was just, whatever. Whoa. Um, yeah. <laughs> Really well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it just it has the whole the whole cinematic vibe is is kind of what we're getting at. And Caitlin, remember when we saw this in the movie theater? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So can we talk about that? Because it's kind of crazy. We saw it a month after it released. So if this released on August 15th, we saw it in the movie theater in on your birthday weekend which was in september about a month I, later i feel like we saw it like labor day weekend or something i remember it being, i remember it being like a midday showing and yeah. i remember it being so hot and walking around our our like outdoor mall shopping mall where our movie theater is and being like what did we watch <laughs> yeah i remember that too i remember there being like three people in the movie theater I don't I don't actually remember sitting in the theater at all, but I remember being outside talking about it afterwards. Um, I will say just a real quick aside, kind of going back to what you were what we were talking about earlier with the cinematic um, George treating Clone Wars like cinema and like the sound of Clone Wars. Another good point is that the people who did like Matt Wood doing the sound for the prequels, the, the films was doing the sound for the Clone Wars, too. Mm-hmm. And, and now also doing the sound for the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. he's he's been involved in in everything. I think even even Rebels and Resistance to some degree. Um, mm-hmm. But like they were they were doing all of the sound. So I think that too. Again, you're not having like oh these are only felt like these people only work on the films. Like there are top tier like senior people and they only do films. Yeah, like no, no they're doing like that. They're doing everything. 
And that makes me feel good. (laughs) (laughs) It does. It makes me feel good, too. (laughs) The thing about seeing it in the movie theater, though, Caitlin, is that that was your first Star Wars movie theater, movie in the theater. It was. Yes. Yeah. It was. And I remember that being like a huge thing about like, we're finally going to go see a Star Wars movie in the movie theater, Caitlin. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. We talk. We we haven't talked about it in a while, but we used to talk a lot about different, like people's different entry points into Star Wars. And mm-hmm. even though Clone Wars, the movie, was not technically my entry point into Star Wars, it was, I guess, the the theatric entry point into Star Wars. Which, um, looking back on it now, I'm like, heck yeah, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Yeah, is that it's funny because I feel like he used to be like. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> like I didn't. I, it was sad that I had missed out on seeing. It was like because in in, in two thousand seven, it was like when is Star Wars ever going to be in theaters again? And I'll never, I'll never get that experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and then cloners came around, and it was like, and at the time, you know, you're thirteen years old, fourteen, however old we were, and watching animated shows is not the cool thing to do you know no. it, just, it just isn't and i'm like man like my first star wars movie is this like kid show <laughs> i was that person i was that person like this this is a kid show and now i'm like give me more <laughs> this is the only thing i care about <laughs> this is the only thing getting me through early 2020 right now <laughs> as a it's star true, wars though. fan <laughs> it's true though and it's it has given us like clone wars Again, I'm just going to say it. I wouldn't be in the Star Wars fandom if it wasn't for the Clone Wars. No. It really provided the perfect bridge on expanding what was – honestly, it needed expanding. The prequels needed to be expanded. Yeah, and, 100%. And the Clone Wars did it. And, and again, I wouldn't be thinking about Star Wars the way that I'm thinking about it now without these interviews that you're so often referencing with Dave and these obviously the episodes and the content and the the, the thoughtful storytelling that goes behind everything when that includes this movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think before we move on to part two, we would be remiss if we <laughs> didn't remind the audience that... Uh, who else was at the Star Wars: The Clone Wars movie premiere? But J.J. Abrams. Himself. He was. He was. He was there. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But he was there. <laughs> there's there's photo evidence. He has a little backpack with Ahsoka his, on it. And his Yoda. Kids, his kids were there too. He brought his kids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I was in Hollywood and I was wanting to hobnob with celebs, maybe I'd go to the Clone Wars premiere too. <laughs> I'd finagle for tickets for that. I just think it's, I remember when Force Awakens or when JJ was announced for Force Awakens, and we are all like, "Wow!" Like he really loved Star Wars. Like he was even at the Clone Wars movie premiere, and like at that point, it was still like, "Oh, the Clone Wars movie isn't that good." You know, this is like twenty, what twenty twelve, and uh-huh. we we're like, he like he went to the Clone Wars movie premiere. Like he's a fan. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> We did that. We thought that. We will just leave it there. (laughs) Yeah, we will. Okay, so are you ready to talk about the story? Yes. You're reckless, little one. You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan. But you might make it as mine. So welcome to part two where we're discussing the story. Before we kind of dive into the plot of this movie and the themes and everything. I wanted to mention that I found this 
really old interview with Henry Gilroy where he references that the idea of the kidnapped hut, the hutlet, came from a samurai movie called Shogun Shadow, which I've never seen. And this is the quote. He says, the basic scenario of the kidnapped hut story was inspired by the old Sunny Chiba samurai film I like, to, I, I like called Shogun Shadow. It's the story of this disgraced ronin who is charged with escorting this, his very young son of a shogun across the countryside, and all these ninjas are trying to kill this poor kid. Anyway, there's a lot of intrigue about who is really after the kid trying to kill him. I thought the basic idea tra- translated to Star Wars very well. I just think it's fascinating, and I said this when we first saw The Mandalorian, that this is essentially the same story as The Mandalorian, <laughs> and both were, the first episodes were both directed by Dave, <laughs> and I, I just, I, I think it's really interesting because it does translate super well. There is all this intrigue about who's after him and why, and again, that this movie Shogun Shadow never came up in our discussions um, about the Mandalorian. We were more talking about Lone Wolf and Cub, but mm-hmm. I am intrigued by it because I, I can't believe again. Of of course, Star Wars is inspired by a samurai movie, and this concept is inherently, I think, samurai esque. Um, we've talked about that on the Mandalorian, but um, I'd never heard this before, and I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, I had never seen that quote either. And Henry Gilroy was a, a really big writer for the Clone Wars for a long time. So a lot of a lot of some of the best of the Clone Wars episodes and arcs are written by Henry Gilroy. And he used to come to Dragon Con a lot, actually, in Atlanta. I don't think he's been – he wasn't there last year. I don't – was he? Yeah, he, he wasn't here he, this past year, but he was, was there, there the year the before. Year, yeah, he yeah. was. And he, he usually does, like, obviously panels for, Star, for the Star Wars track, but he also does – uh, he's also in like Artist Alley and stuff with like comics and, and drawings and things like that. I do think um, we got a couple emails in our inbox and also in our survey, which is still active if you want to fill it out. I'm just like plugging everything today. <laughs> and uh, people who emailed us asking about kind of like they've never watched Clone Wars before or they're just starting to get into it. So how do you get into it? What are, what are the most – the, the best of or the necessary episode arcs to watch. And I can't answer that right now. But I will say that for people who are brand new to Clone Wars and you're kind of diving into it before the series comes out in a couple weeks, I do think we should probably mention that uh, the Clone Wars movie – well, it came – it's not chronological. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it in a way that makes sense. But <laughs> the Clone Wars movie takes place – is not the first story of the Clone War <laughs> series. No. It's I don't understand why this is just the way it is, but the first I thing- have decided to embrace the chaos of the fact that Clone Wars is nonlinear. I think I it's- think it's great. Okay, but it, it, it is linear. It just was released non-linear linearly. 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 Linear it wasn't released in order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I embrace it too because isn't that all of Star Wars? We're constantly That's what I'm saying. going back and forth. But I think this was confusing to me for a long time. And I think if you're just coming into Clone Wars and they'd be like, actually, no, you need to start at episode two or season two, episode 16 is actually number one. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> The chaos of it all. I remember before we knew, because it was a long, I feel like that was not something, even though we were watching Clone Wars week to week, I don't think that was something we knew 
for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did not know that for a while. For I was like, what's time. happening? I don't get it, but well, it's okay. Is, it's fun. <laughs> I feel like for me, I was never following the plot. Like, I was always following the characters, and I wasn't following, like, this bigger war all the time <laughs> or, like, when certain ships or clone armor were introduced. I was like, is this an Anakin and Ahsoka episode? It's a favorite. Like, that was, that was me. But then we find out in, like, season four that there's this whole chronological order of how this whole thing goes. And so the very first chronological episode of Clone Wars is season two, episode 16, mm-hmm. which is then followed by season one, episode 16, <laughs> which is then followed by the Clone Wars movie, which this is my favorite part, which then followed by season three, episode one, which is then followed by season three, episode three. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and then and then we go back to season one. <laughs> so great. It's, it's so confusing. Like the it's not just like the first couple episodes of season one should be before the Clone Wars movie. Like we're really hopping around here. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I found myself and this maybe speaks to like the wider theme of the Clone Wars series as a whole. I found myself when I was rewatching this movie last night, and I have to say, I've rewatched this movie a lot because I try to do this con- chronological Clone Wars thing all the time. <laughs> and it's right in the beginning, so I usually get there. Anyway, I found myself being like, in the beginning, being like, what's going on with the Separatists? Why are Anakin and Obi-Wan here? Why are they on Christophsis? What's the like what's the state of the galaxy at this point? Right. <laughs> and I was like, I, I had to take a step back and be like, what's the state of the Republic? <laughs> what's the state of the Republic? Honestly, Caitlin, we might have to start asking I that. Know. What's the state of the separatists? <laughs> yeah. Regardless, my point is, I don't know if that even matters because the whole thing is that there's this whole cat and mouse game between Palpatine, the Separatists, the Senate, the Republic, the Jedi, where they're all kind of, they're all warring and it's all for nothing. And I think that in this movie, it's, and we find out later that it's obviously all for nothing because Palpatine's the one pulling all the strings. And I think in the movie, you're like, what's the politics? What's going on? And I think all that really matters are the characters, not necessarily the wider galactic scale of the conflict. Obviously, I think that the series dives into that. But I think that I really had to take a step back of like wanting to deep dive into the granular when it's just not really there. I, I mean, it is there. I just don't think it's necessary. Like, I think that we're really supposed to, especially at the end of this movie where it's revealed that there's kind of this whole conspiracy plot of Zero actually taking the Hutlet in order for Anakin and Obi-Wan to be killed by the Huts and to kind of place the blame. And I think that that confusion is well-placed because the the movie kind of asks you to be confused. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. We we do travel. Like, we meet a lot of players in this whole war. And some of them are people we've seen before. Some of them are new. And it is it is really – it does have some surprising twists and turns. Yes. Like, yes. zero is a surprising twist. <laughs> 
<laughs> the character, absolutely, what they do, it's it's a lot. But I think um, here here's the basic synopsis of the Clone Wars movie that I think because you're right, like it, it is it is complex, but it's you can follow like the thing that's nice about the Clone Wars is that often you have these. I don't want to say like easy plot points, but almost like the MacGuffins that are easy to track. Like the point mm-hmm. is we got to get, we got to get the huts, the baby huts, and we got to get them back to Java. And you can follow that really easily through the, through the whole film. If you're not fall like even if sometimes those bigger picture things of like, oh, well actually it's Dooku. Well, like Ventress is chasing them, but Dooku's telling her to do it. But Sidious is telling Dooku to do it. But like, Sidious is actually yes. Palpatine and Palpatine's like orchestrating this whole thing, you know? Like if you're a kid, you're not you're maybe not you're maybe you're not following that whole train back. Maybe you obviously know that Palpatine is a bad person, but like some of these nuances you might not be picking up on. Which is nice revisiting it as you know, older and being more attuned to these nuances that were happening. Because I when I first watched the prequels, I did not pay attention to the politics at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, long hair, don't care. <laughs> you know, when when do Obi-Wan and Anakin fight and and give me Anakin and uh, Padme? That was what I cared about. I didn't I didn't care about the Trade Federation or anything. But now I'm like, whoa. <laughs> That is, this that is, is complicated. Serious. <laughs> What's interesting is that in the Clone Wars movie and in the prequels, Padme operates as the truth seeker and the mm-hmm. someone who like brings truth to power. And to me, and I, this is my bias showing, but when Padme enters the story, it's like, whoa, this is bigger than all of them. And yeah. I, I think it's interesting because to me, I'm like, that's when the movie gets way more complicated than you thought it was going to in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same thing for Padme's role in the prequels in general, uh, especially in Attack of the Clones, especially in The Phantom Menace. And it's refreshing to see that here. It felt like, at least for me, it felt like a true-to-character continuation of how these characters were used in their films. Well, it's nice because whenever we're seeing Padme in the Clone Wars, she's often operating in the political sphere because that's her job. And so we're getting a lot more, we're seeing more of the political side of what Palpatine is doing. Whereas when we're with like Anakin, we're seeing more of that one-on-one manipulation that he's doing to Anakin. But Padme is, Padme starting to get to the point where she's in Revenge of the Sith where she doesn't know if she's actually on the right side of things mm-hmm. anymore. And it's been a while since we've referenced this episode, but Heroes on Both Sides <laughs> from season three of The Clone Wars is an excellent kind of microcosm of that whole idea that this whole war – I remember Dave had this really great interview where he kind of laid it all out. He was like, none of it matters. He's like, it mm-hmm. doesn't. I think it's about Heroes on Both Sides, actually, where he's like, none of it matters. Um it's all people who are being duped in the end. There isn't really a right or wrong because they're all just pieces in the game. Yeah, it's a huge chessboard. Yes. And I think I think that's why I in when you watch this movie and Padme enters the scene, she is the one that has this sort of awakening to realizing that they're all duped. But of course it's not enough because this is only the beginning of the Clone Wars as we know it. Mm-hmm. And I think she has kind of chipped off like a greater block of conspiracy, essentially. And it's 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 kind of fascinating to watch knowing the trajectory of this entire series. 
Yeah, yeah, it really is. Okay, so the quick synopsis of the Clone Wars movie, spoilers, is it's set during the Clone Wars (laughs) between the Galactic Republic and the Confederacy of Independent Systems. I always forget that that's what the Separatists are actually called, the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker is assigned an apprentice. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker is assigned an apprentice, Ahsoka Tano, Jabba the Hutt, enlists them to rescue his kidnapped son Rota in exchange for an alliance. Anakin and Ahsoka track the kidnapper to a planet where they are ambushed, ambushed by Count Dooku's apprentice, Asajj Ventress, and discover that Dooku hopes to frame the Jedi for Rota's kidnapping. It's so clever. This whole, like you said, this whole cat and mouse situation <laughs> is is really clever. And actually, the technical chronological first episode of the Clone Wars is called cat, cat and, mouse and Mouse because it yep. sets up this whole arc of of Rhoda being kidnapped. I thought one of the things that I think is really interesting about the Clone Wars movie is that we do have like three kind of main settings for this film and we have the planet Christophsis, which is where the first kind of set of episodes happens we have time on Coruscant and we have time on Tatooine and I think that's such a good use of time and of planets because we have something that's new Christophsis, the Christophsis. we have something that is very specific to the prequels which is Coruscant and we have something that is present in the prequels but is like tied explicitly to the original trilogy, which is Tatooine. And I really think that I'm sure that was a conscious choice on the part of the filmmakers, uh, Dave and George, and like giving us a little bit of everything, things we recognize, something new, but these like important things and these different, we're not going to the same places in these locations. Like obviously Mm -hmm. we go to the Jedi Temple and stuff, which we've seen, but we're seeing new sides of it. We're seeing like Padme in a different situation, like with Zero. And I just I think it was really well done the way that they chose physically where our characters were going. Yeah, I agree. I'm just thinking about what each of these places represent. And I think the way you you outlined it, I think is exactly how it is representative. Um the new Everything new happens on Christophsis, right? Like we get the introduction of Ahsoka, our honestly our brand new introduction to our heroes Anakin and Obi Wan as they are here. And this is an Anakin that in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, he doesn't have a pad on brain. This is Jedi Knight Anakin, and we're seeing him in war in battle again. This is something that we just have not seen like even in so we get the end of geonosis um in attack of the clones and that to me while yes a full-scale battle i think that we see him fighting count dooku making mistakes etc there and then we open in revenge of the sith and it's not necessarily we get a short space battle that's it but then it's rescue the chancellor so anakin at war is something that we really have not seen especially anakin as a jedi knight Mm mm-hmm so all of this is new, and then obviously the introduction of Ahsoka, which I'm sure we'll get to soon. And then we finally get to see we get we finally get to see Obi Wan's like negotiator status <laughs> on Christophus. And then when we return to the pre uh, Coruscant, it is I think you're so right on the fact that it is the familiar, but then it, again it's the unfamiliar because it's this like den of 
a wretched hive of scum and villainy, <laughs> but it's it's like completely opposite of what we are used to. Even the like Bith performers are there, right? Yeah, and they're playing a different tune. It's more like a speakeasy rather than a, yes, yeah, a hole in the wall bar in the middle of nowhere. That's true. It's a jazz club. Yes, and then the past. I think this this version of Tatooine is really interesting to me because. To me, this is just another example of Anakin unable to reconcile with any of his feelings of his past and just wanting to completely shut down and shut off. And he's, he's basically trudging through the desert. <laughs> so bad. Think, like, I, <laughs> I think it, while the animatics are not 100% there in the Clone Wars movie as they get to, especially, oh my God, in comparison to season seven, what we're about to get, well, it's just night and day. <laughs> I still think that that you can completely see Anakin just like begrudgingly dragging his feet through the sand with the backpack on, like kind of ignoring Ahsoka. Yes. And it, <laughs> and I, I love I love the tension that is uh, present here. But again, this place is super representative of the past and it is a nasty past for Anakin. And it's one that he doesn't reconcile with in in this episode of the Clone Wars, this movie. Slash ever <laughs> ever like <laughs> never <laughs> so what is your favorite kind of section of the clone wars movie it's hard to not say when anakin and uh ahsoka are like underneath the box ahsoka, yeah. <laughs> and like you know you gotta have en- enemy lines cross you <laughs> and then also the absolutely iconic dropping of the big platform with the hole in the middle <laughs> on anakin so good. I think you're just guy guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a tie between that when you're really understanding what their dynamic is going to be like while they're kind of like experimenting with things and um, you understand that this is going to be a friendship and it could be begrudging in the beginning, but it'll be entertaining to watch. And then I also love the race up the cliff with the the guitar blaring. Oh my God, Kevin Kiner, he did that. <laughs> Kevin, Ke- <laughs> Kevin Kiner put in every musical genre into the <laughs> episode like into this movie it's it's so much anything you anything you want whatever your style musical tastes are it's here in the clone wars movie yeah i think i think my favorite part is the christopsis i i could i could rewatch christopsis so many times over again the whole thing is amazing to me i love when they're under the box i think it's really funny i love when ahsoka has an idea on how to get you know past the enemy lines and rex is like i don't know and anakin is kind of like i think maybe we should listen to her (laughs) he doesn't want to admit it i think it's just it's all so pure it's all so cute (laughs) i love it so much i do also love when they're in I forget what is it technically on Tatooine where the like where where do they actually find Rhoda? I forget what planet that is. Oh, the planet Teth, where they're ambush Ahsoka and Anakin track the kidnapper and Rhoda to the planet Teth. So I love when they're on Teth and they're walking through this monastery hallway and Anakin is so cool, calm and collected, and Ahsoka is just there, you know, there's there there are battle droids. There are battle droids. There's another one. There's another one. And Anakin's like, yeah. I know. <laughs> He's like, this is all part of the plan. And then I love, too, that droid that – oh, my God. I forgot how much I loved this droid. The droid that worked for Ventress and Dooku and secretly hated them. 
Me too. <laughs> and hated the huts too. <laughs> and he ends up decapitated at the end. This is the beginning of just iconic Clone Wars droids. <laughs> it's so it was so funny. But he called the droid calls Ahsoka uh, a servant girl and she whips out her lightsabers and she goes, Do servant girls carry these? <laughs> <laughs> And Anakin literally has to tell her to put them away. <laughs> I love the 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 feistiness and the the edginess of Ahsoka in and I because it is an edginess mm-hmm. of her really trying to prove herself in front of all of these people, the clones and Anakin, and I guess this droid too. <laughs> it's just so funny. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he, the droid goes something like, "Oh well, the Jedi Knight and the the servant." Jedi Padawan like to come this way <laughs> and she just gives him such a side eye <laughs> so good it's it's really funny um the thing is too is that that's not the only decapitated head in the Clone Wars movie there's actually a whole tray of them that are presented to Jabba at, at some point too we love a kid show <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so, so violent <laughs> It's so bad. <laughs> I was like, there. Wait, I forgot that there were already decapitations aplenty in the Clone Wars movie. So, so much impalement, like <laughs> kid show. Yeah, let's talk about the themes that are presented in the Clone Wars movie. Um, I think that this is really the beginning of a coming of age story for Ahsoka, especially. But of course, what Ahsoka learns, you. They're, you know, Anakin and Ahsoka are, are basically foils of each other. So when you learn something about one of them, you learn it about the other as well. And this is just the beginning. And then I think there's the major theme of like mentorship and leadership and how Anakin needs to <laughs> be better about that. <laughs> but but clearly this is a good start. I think that that's the vibe that you're supposed to get at the end of this movie is that, you know, I think they'll be able to figure it out, you know. And then it's so sweet. It, it really is. It really He's is. Like, you never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan. And then you just see Ahsoka look so sad. And Anakin goes, you might just make it as mine. Ugh. So that goes to the next one, which is compassion. Because I think that that's what Anakin is really all about that. He's, you know, the... the he's really all about helping people. And I think that this is just another uh, move for him to... Ex- explore that part of himself and be a, a, a good mentor and I good is an operative term but uh, I think he is at, in the at the end of the day a solid teacher a friend and a compassionate leader for Ahsoka during her time with the Jedi um, I don't know do you agree with that yeah I do I think maybe maybe like a bigger a bigger theme perhaps is just the theme of introduction and yeah. And like transition into this yeah. both both on like a an out of universe, like in the real world kind of perspective of transitioning into what these characters sound like, look like, how they're acting compared to when we last saw them, which was literally at their lowest points, coming back to the height of who mm-hmm. they were in the Jedi is really fascinating. But then also it's a period of transition for Anakin and Ahsoka into these new roles of Padawan and as master. 
and figuring out how to do that. And we see that a lot in regards to their relationship throughout this film of them, of this like back and forth, this push and pull of, are you doing what I'm saying? Yes, I am. No, I'm not. You're going to get us killed. Well, JK, I saved you. <laughs> and then it's also fun too, but it gets very serious. You know, like when they get to, when they get to Teth and they're going up the wall, they're scaling the wall, it's this big race and it's all tongue in cheek. Like I'm beating you. You're going to have to be faster than that. I'm right behind you, Sky Guy. It's very cute and it's very fun. And we see this happen a lot throughout the Clone Wars of these moments. The competition. Yeah, in competition. But it's friendly competition, right? But then mm-hmm. at the end, when Dooku is against Anakin and he's like, I've got your Padawan pinned and like she's as good as dead. And suddenly I like that was the thing that really struck me over the head and, and this is getting a little bit more into like character, but uh it really hit me over the head this viewing of just how fast Anakin becomes very attached to Ahsoka. Like mm-hmm. in that end when he when Dooku is taunting him about Ahsoka and Rhoda and Anakin is like, I swear to God, if you touch her, <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and he like it was all fun and games, but like when they're in this very serious situation earlier of scaling this wall like vertical, <laughs> 180 mm-hmm. degrees, and they're being shot at by all blaster cannons and stuff like that to, you know, transitioning to the end of this film and suddenly, you know, he he's going to he's gonna do whatever it takes to make sure that she's okay and he's only known her for, what, two days or something? Yeah. And I think that that's, that's really – we can look at it and be like, that's really sweet, but Something eventually dangerous. it's – it's a, it's very dangerous. It's a very yeah. dangerous part of Anakin's personality. It's exactly how he operates with anyone who gets too close to him. And I think that because he is an extremely compassionate person, I think that it's when the Jedi and the Force is involved, it just gets really complicated. And yeah. um, I like this quote that Obi-Wan and Yoda kind of said um, when Ahsoka was dropped off. And I think it is really, really indicative of the end of the Clone Wars as we know it right now, which is so weird because I swear I did not see what happened at the end of the Clone Wars coming. Um, The quote is, Obi-Wan says, let's just hope he is ready. And Yoda says, ready he is to teach an apprentice to let go of his pupil, a greater challenge it will be. And as you just said, immediately he is completely... Uh, very strongly attached to Ahsoka. And again, if anything touches Ahsoka, I will kill everyone in this room (laughs) idea. And I think that the whole tongue-in-cheek idea that they all knew that they they kind of ambushed Ahsoka on Anakin, right? And I think that it really is a test of him being able to let go. And it's a test that he will ultimately, I believe, fail because that is Anakin's one of Anakin's major downfalls. Yeah, definitely. Because I think I was thinking about when I was watching this and and I don't remember the details exactly, but when he is fighting Dooku, does he know that yeah, yeah, he does that they're going to fr- that they're framing the Jedi basically. Mm-hmm. And so the you can read the fight as twofold, right? That Anakin is wanting to best Dooku and save Ahsoka/Rhoda because then the Jedi won't be framed. And they'll get access to the trade routes of Jabba the Hutt. But I think the fight makes clear that the bigger objective here is saving Ahsoka. 
it's not really about the Jedi and them being framed. That's a bonus of it. But the 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 end game here is making sure Ahsoka is okay because Anakin has no love for Rhoda the Hutt. <laughs> he makes it very clear throughout the story. And I guess this is a good point too. You talked about Ahsoka being ambushed on Anakin and him not knowing. So now I get to reference my one of my favorite canon introductions from 2019, Dooku Jedi Lost. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking when I was watching the movie, I sent Charlotte this really long Snapchat and I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is insane because in Dooku Jedi Lost, we right, we see Count Dooku as a Padawan and we see him transition from being a youngling to a Padawan when he gets his master. And when all the younglings basically like apply for a master, they have to do this big like group trial and all of the masters watch them like an arena situation basically and all the masters watch the younglings and then the masters say I want Dooku or I want Sifo-Dyas and it's this huge plot point in the book or in the audio drama Dooku Jedi Lost because Dooku wants Master Kastana to pick him and him and his best friend, Sifo-Dyas, are in the the trial, the arena, whatever it is. And Kostana picks Sifo-Dyas to, to be her Padawan. And Dooku is crushed about it. But what I think is so interesting is that that's how they were doing it when Dooku was a youngling. But now at this juncture in the Clone Wars, they're just handing out Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> there's, not, there's not like any rhyme or reason. But then it, it got me thinking too, you know, when we th- talk about Yoda in this time period, it's a very dark time period for Yoda because the Jedi were supposed to be keepers of the peace, not warriors. And that's what they're turning into. And so the fact that he's kind of having to go against what they did before in the not so distant past of having a more – um, like ritualistic and traditional younglings to pat to masters kind of transition. Now they're literally putting them on cargo ships and taking them to the middle of war. That's insane. It <laughs> That's, is. It's really insane. And it made me wonder, I was like, does does Yoda because later on, um, after Ahsoka and Anakin have that cute little conversation at the end of Christophsis, Anakin says to Ahsoka, it's the will of the force that you're by my side. And Mm -hmm. I found myself asking, you know, is it the will of the force that Ahsoka is at Anakin's side? Was that something that Yoda saw? Like how much – like Yoda's still getting visions. Even though things are clouded by the dark side, he still obviously has access to the force and is still a very powerful force user. So when they – when Yoda and Obi-Wan have this whole conversation of, of, you know, like he has to – she ha- he has to learn how to let go. Why, why Ahsoka specifically? Was there a specific reason or was it the destiny of the cosmic force that let Ahsoka go to Anakin without any kind of uh, meddling from Yoda? Or did Yoda have a vision of what was to come of like a sense from the force that Ahsoka should go with Anakin or is it telling of the Jedi at this time that they weren't really thinking about those things, that it was just, all right, you're next in line, time to go. And it was the cosmic force that intervened. You know, I just, I found it really fascinating and just another, another good example of how more canon material like Dooku Jedi Lost has added to our understanding of this time period. And again, pointing out a difference between 
when the Jedi were I don't think the Jedi were at their height in Dooku, but they were different than they are now. They were unconflicted. They weren't fighting a war and they no, weren't they dragged were, into a war by They were still hiding the their yes. conflict was with the dark side yes. in Dooku. Yes. It's true. It's just I think that the Jedi in the Clone Wars era, they've never been lower, at least as yes. we've seen. Yeah. Because everything is clouded and they're they're instruments of the Senate, which they never should have been. Oof. That hurts. Yeah. You know. Yoda is sad. Let's talk about, let's talk about characters, Caitlin, because I feel like we have a lot to say. Yes. And we're getting into it. They said do a combination of, of Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. And so I just did what I did. And, and they were actually looking for something new. They were looking for something brand new. We're kind of showcasing Anakin in a time where he he's uh, more the hero right now in, in our series. And, and, you know, he's not yet on that spiral downwards towards Darth Vader. So uh, I actually kind of got to develop my own, my own voice. And, uh, you know, as a team, we just kind of came up with something that works. Okay. Welcome to part three where we're talking about characters. And you know who's first. Ahsoka. Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I've talked a lot about my initial impressions of Ahsoka, but I feel like we don't hear enough about your initial impressions of Ahsoka. Do you remember them? It's hard because I think that they were really similar to yours. Mm-hmm. I think I was enthusiastic about Ahsoka because you were enthusiastic about Ahsoka. Yeah. And I was always... I don't know. It's 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 weird because I think back on it and I try to remember if I had some sort of like roadblock about Ahsoka, but I just don't think I ever did. I think I was just intrigued by her and I was excited that she was a girl and I um, was excited that you were excited about it. So it made me like it more. Yeah. It, her, <laughs> you know, the, character. I, the, the whole concept, you know? Yeah, definitely. Ahsoka in this movie, I think Ahsoka in this movie is probably the most interesting to be introduced to as we're preparing for the end of Clone Wars. And I did actually talk about this in our Clone Wars trailer reaction. But when you compare Ahsoka in this film to even what little we've heard from her in the trailer, it is so night and day, and it's so clear how much she has grown. In this, in this, her her goal is to be in charge. She's literally walking around trying to tell Rex what to do and give him advice on the strategic placement of his troops when she's never been on a battlefield before <laughs> she's absolutely desperate to prove herself yeah i mean she's she tells anakin that she says, i want to prove mm-hmm. that i'm not too young to be your padawan and she she goes in a hundred percent on that and mm-hmm. she like you said earlier she's brash she's aggressive she is a know-it-all and she's young Mm-hmm. And she's I don't she's not hot headed, not in the way that Anakin is, but she's definitely like I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do yeah. it. <laughs> and then and like and she wants to be like she tells Rex, right? Like, oh well technically I outrank you, you know? That leadership is so much of what she wants, but she doesn't know what she's doing yet. But then in the Clone Wars trailer for season seven, we see her saying, remarking again that the Jedi weren't ever supposed to be warriors. And that's not at all how we see her here in the movie. And I just, I find myself really fascinated by being able to see that full transition now and seeing her outside of the Jedi Order will be Mm -hmm. really, I'm really looking forward to it now that she'll have more perspective and watching, watching the Jedi from the outside, knowing what she knows about the people that are actually there. Mm -hmm. 
Something I really like about this is that Ahsoka is kind of opposite of Anakin and at least Anakin's introduction in The Phantom Menace. The quote that you said, I'm not, I'm, that I'm not too young to be your Padawan. That's what she's trying to prove. Um, I think that there's a really cool thing that's happening because that's a reversal of Anakin's own journey, at least his introduction uh, in The Phantom Menace, where he was trying to prove that he was not too old to be Obi-Wan's Padawan or Qui-Gon's Padawan, anyone's Padawan, to be a Jedi. And here we have Ahsoka not tr- trying to prove that she's not too young. And I think that that is, is fascinating. And I wonder if it's something that Anakin saw in her, this desperation that felt so familiar to him. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that I hadn't really thought about before. But they do just automatically mesh. Mm-hmm. Like, and th- this goes back to my question from the last part, too, of how what 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 went into the decision to actually put Ahsoka with Anakin. There's very little that we know about Ahsoka's time as a youngling and training in the Jedi Temple before she comes to Anakin. To be honest, I really wouldn't be surprised if she was in some way an instrument of the Cosmic Force, just given everything that we know about her journey past the Clone Wars and into Rebels and her, her experience with the world between worlds and um, honestly her interactions with Anakin and the Skywalker family. Um, I I would be so intrigued if they explored that at all in season seven. Yeah, yeah, I would too. I had this really sad thought uh, when I, we were writing the show notes for this episode. We, um, you know, Ahsoka is one of one of the pillars of Anakin's life that gets knocked out from under him. Uh, Shmi, Ahsoka, and then Padme. You know, things come in threes. It made me wonder, you know, if we're Buddha, if we're if we're going up to and into Revenge of the Sith timeline, I wonder if to add insults to injury, <laughs> if Anakin will think something happened to Ahsoka before, like right before we enter into Revenge of the Sith timeline with Anakin. Like, I what if think that's going to happen? Like, if Maul escapes and he ends up like talking to Anakin and is like, "Oh, I killed her." She's gone. And at that point, Ahsoka has cut herself off from the force. Yeah, or or like or like she's trapped somewhere too and she's like just mm-hmm. not out yet, but by the time she gets out, Order 66 has 6 has happened and Anakin is gone. It's fascinating because the the way that the Clone Wars ends now is that I can believe that the inability for Anakin to let go of Ahsoka and seeing the the way that the Jedi have wronged Ahsoka so much so that she leaves, I see that as really a perfect summation of how we go into Anakin's like unrest with the Jedi and mm-hmm. everyone around him in yeah. Revenge of the Sith. And that's why the ending, it really works for me. I'm so glad that they're finishing the Clone Wars, but I, at least we got that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, they are going to add ins- – I know they are, Caitlin. Like, you just have to get prepared for it. They're going to add insult to injury. And how much are they going to separate these two is really the question for me. Because at this point, you can tell – th- what this movie does is really set up that uh, there's a bond happening here. And um, – it's, it's instantaneous. It is instantaneous. And this team-up is – powerful because they're a team and that idea that that team gets broken up throughout this entire series will feed into season seven because they are broken up and i guess during this uh siege of mandalore they have to kind of come back together and that's why that that one shot is so great when anakin sees her through the hologram Mm -hmm. um but it's like 
how's that even going to end? Because the next time that they see each other, I guess, is in Rebels. Well, I think if you're, I think you're so right, Charlotte, about one, it's going to (laughs) hurt and about how season five, like the end of season five is really satisfactory as it is, I think, for Ahsoka and Anakin anyway. I know there are a lot of other pieces left undone. But for me, I always, like you, I thought that Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order, that fed really well into Anakin's mindset about the Jedi and about what's going on in Revenge of the Sith. I think it works really well. But now they have this opportunity to make it hurt even more <laughs> when we get into Revenge of the Sith. And you're right, like they start off as a team instantaneously. And then this team is is broken up in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe even worse than her dying in like a battle or something like that where Anakin couldn't save her. This is like she's still out there and we can't be a team together because the place that I'm still at betrayed her. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 personal and it's hurtful. And so I think that we have to, I think there will be some kind of, what I'm hoping for anyway, is reconciliation between them. And this is what we've been talking about is having these like hard conversations with our characters about like, okay, why did you really leave? Like you can still come back. Like, no, I can't. And mm-hmm. what, how how much of that we're going to get of what Ahsoka is telling to Anakin and maybe even seeing Ahsoka in more of uh, like more wizened than Anakin in some of these situations because I think we see Ahsoka grow into a really wise person throughout both Clone Wars and Rebels. And even in Clone Wars, like that, also an arc that no one ever talks about that I think is great is the one where, and very dark, is the one where Ahsoka is kidnapped and manhunted on an island for sport. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, you don't remember this? No, I don't. I think it's the end of season three, and she is kidnapped um, in battle. She's kidnapped, and she is—I forget. Well, what creature? What what aliens are it? Are they? Oh, what are they? I can't remember what they're called. They're like the 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 pig ones, the like warthog ones. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. I should know. Like I should know what this creature is called. Anyway. Um, they can th- this arc is so crazy right this also goes goes into the bigger conversation of the jedi and all their issues in this time period she gets dropped off on a planet where basically it's kind of hunger game style and all of these the 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 aliens this like whole family of aliens they kidnap jedi padawans put them on this planet and then manhunt them and then okay, they, it's the beginning of oh it's the end of season three and it's the planet Felucia. Felucia, yes, actually yeah. people do talk about. Felucia. And it's Trandosian. Trandosian, thank you. And they kidnap her. They put her on this planet. They manhunt her. She runs into like five other Padawans <laughs> that have also been kidnapped and put here. And when they kidnap them, they put their heads and or skin on a wall in like a hunting lodge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so dark but the crazy thing that i always go back to is the fact that how many padawans have been kidnapped from the jedi that just like disappear there were like five on on the in this whole arc and they've been there for so long (laughs) and ahsoka had no idea and i was i was flabbergasted (laughs) but (laughs) 
she's so, like she's the one that is able to save most of them. Not all of them. Some of them die very gruesome deaths, but she's the one that leads them to rescue. And she's very wise throughout the whole thing. But we never really see her being wise to Anakin all that often. Like there, he's either kind of giving her that wisdom that that he does have that Anakin does have, um, or she we see her utilizing it in situations where she's she's the only leader there as as uh, showing her growth. I think so. I wonder if we'll see it kind of reverse itself in season seven. But the whole point of this was that like we see them come together in the Clone Wars movie instantaneously. That bond is broken, is shattered at the end of season five. So I think it's fair to expect that there would be reconciliation in season seven and understanding of where they both are respectively in this war that like Ahsoka isn't coming back to the Jedi, but they're still like just because they're not technically master and apprentice anymore, they're still very important people in each other's lives. To then have like for Anakin to go back up on this high of like, okay, Soka's not here anymore, but like it's okay. Like we're still like she's still going to be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. To then maybe bringing it back down to where he thinks something happened to her, like she died. And then that again, that adds another type of nuance when we see him in Revenge of the Sith. Um, and everything that happens there. Yeah, I think you're so right. I don't know. That was a really long-winded way for me to say, I think I'm going to (laughs) cry. I know I'm going to (laughs) cry. I saw some Lucasfilm employees today tweeting about they were watching a thing, and they were crying, and I was like, wonder what it is. Gotta go buy some tissues. (laughs) (laughs) Rude is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I okay, let's talk about Anakin. Even though we've been talking about Anakin, what does this movie show us about Anakin as a leader and how far he needs to go? I think it depends on what your definition of leadership is. Yeah. Because Anakin goes through a lot of different stages, I think, in the Clone Wars, honestly. We see him being a Honestly, it's when I I think I see it most when Ahsoka is making rash decisions that mm-hmm. Anakin would make. But he sees her making them and is like, you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> or yeah. when he tells her, you know, when they're talking about how to respond to the council and he's like, you should always listen to the council. And Ahsoka's like, you don't always listen to the council. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but like I follow my gut and there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love him. <laughs> I do think his introduction in this, in this film is really important actually because, you know – We've touched on this, but coming out of like the last time we saw Anakin was Revenge of the Sith. And so then to come into Clone Wars, it is very tonally different and he's in a very different place in life. And the first characters we see in this are Obi-Wan and he's talking about Anakin and like, where is he? And Obi-Wan's very nonchalant. And then we move to Anakin on top of like he gets a very superhero entrance in mm-hmm. this film. Oh, yeah. For uh, sure. Like, it's backlit. We're behind him. He's he's basically on top of a skyscraper. <laughs> yeah. And then like, he jumps. like, brooding. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even brooding. He's just, like, he's cocky. He's so cocky. Fierce. Yes. Yeah, fierce. It's, it's a great introduction, honestly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think this movie showed me a couple things about, and I think this is something that you have to keep in mind, because now we've lived in an ecosystem with Clone Wars for over 12 years or 12 years at least right and which is like oh my god but i i feel like we forgot that we haven't seen anakin 
um, be the leader of a clone battalion. And we see that in this movie. And we see him be like super loyal to Rex and the rest of that crew, except for the point where he like he tries basically everything to get back to them when they're in need and they're like kind of pinned down by the separatist army and the droid army. And then he's super apologetic when he can't make it there. And that's where I think Rex really shines in a, in a sort of leadership role where you finally get to see him as a character. Um kind of overtake the enemy line and like you you see the fact that the clones can do it themselves they're good soldiers but i also think that you see that anakin really does care about his battalion um especially rex and considers them friends and again this goes to something i was saying in our trailer trailer reaction but i think that the clone wars even though it's not our favorite part of the Clone Wars, and it's just something that we never really responded to. But as I'm older, I definitely respond to it way more than I used to. But all the clone storylines and everything that the Clone Wars does to establish the humanity beside behind these like bucket heads, essentially, that were, you know, kind of off the supply line. I think that the the attack of the clones makes these people look disposable which is terrible and i think the clone wars really kind of pulls back that curtain and says no you should care about this because these are people and they're people who are fighting for the jedi and yes this war is bigger than all of them but they're fighting and they have no choice in the matter and i think that this is really the beginning of you seeing that and i i like the introduction of seeing anakin and rex kind of play off each other and you really get a sense of what this is going to be like later well attack of the clones is it's it's great i think on as far as leading into the clone wars because you know we have jango fett and boba fett and it's this father son relationship and you know i guess you, you can kind of make these comparisons to vader and luke too kind of our only other father son relationship that we have that also ends in tragedy and with a dead father <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you, you're right. The clones are literally coming off a supply line. But then we have this very intimate, you know, seeing the father and son in their living quarters. It's very personal. But they're they're so separate. We don't see Jango Fett and Boba Fett with the clones themselves really until the end, like on Geonosis. But they're all masked. So I don't really count it as the same, honestly. But in the Clone Wars, you're right. Like we're we're peeling back the curtain even more that like all of those CGI clones that we saw in the background on Camino, they have personalities and they have nicknames and they have different hairstyles and different strengths and different weaknesses and things like that. And I'm really looking forward actually to 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 paying more attention to them as I continue to rewatch episodes from the Clone Wars and coming into season seven especially having some of these characters follow through into uh, Rebels, for example. Uh, It made me a lot more interested, I think, than I was when I was first watching The Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I really think that, spoilers for Rebels, but the fact that Rex lives through Rebels, I think is... I don't know. It really it does put greater stock into the story because you're like, oh my god, what is this life even like? This growth accelerated human. What does that mean, and how do you wrestle with that? And I think that there there are questions that arise from that that I think that Dave Filoni and the other writers and creators were thinking about. And 
I, I, I think this is a solid introduction to that. Yeah, absolutely. I was, you know, as we were watching other interviews and stuff from early Clone Wars days, there was this whole series of Ask, Ask Dave. I think that's what it's called. It was just Ask Dave Filoni. <laughs> and these little one-minute clips of Dave at Skywalker Ranch just answering internet questions. <laughs> just, just like the concept of an internet question that you send in. I'm like... Yeah, like an email. What was that like? <laughs> yeah, it was from, you know, like from 2009 or something. But yeah. one of the questions that was asked was, is Rex happy? Or at the end of the story, is Rex happy? This is before Clone Wars even ended. It's this this Dave's answer is literally 45 seconds of him just walking through basically an existential crisis for Rex. <laughs> He's like, is Rex happy? He's like, well, I think it's, you know, it's subjective. You know, what is happiness for a clone? Is he an independent thinker? Do you think he's an independent thinker? You know, he's he was programmed with a purpose to fight a war. So is he happy fighting the war? Is that where he um, derives his happiness? Or, or is it, you know, is it from being with his clone brethren? Or is he sad being a clone? Does he even have autonomy to have happiness as a clone? I think he does. Other people don't. What do you think? It's subjective. <laughs> I was like, my God. <laughs> that subjectivity is going to be brought up in season seven mm. so much with Order 66. With I'm so ready. Oh, man. I it's oh, funny. By ready, I mean bracing myself, buying, going out and buying tissues, <laughs> stockpiling. Well, I know we talk about how the clones, like, we're not as emotionally invested in the clones, but um, 99. Oh, ho, ho, ho. ho. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not touching that whole story. I can't. That's like, wow. I, oh, my God. <laughs> I actively block it out of my memory. Same. Same. <laughs> I think so before much. I think before Ahsoka leaves, that was the most emotionally affecting episode. And what's crazy is that it was that emotionally affecting for us when we weren't clone people. So I can't imagine people who their favorite characters are the clones watching that episode. I like yeah. how can you, I'm sure I think I've seen it maybe two or three times in my life. And I, I probably won't be able to watch it. Like, if I watch it tonight, I won't be able to watch it for another five years. <laughs> yeah, same. Same. Uh, they just do such a good job of it. And again, like I said, it's definitely a storyline that I'm con- continuously appreciating as I get older. And I don't know why. That's That's just how it is for me. Okay, so the last person we haven't really talked about in this episode is Obi-Wan. Right. I don't think Obi-Wan does a lot in this movie. <laughs> I think that this is the beginning of us understanding that – I mean, am I wrong about that? I think this is no. like – Obi-Wan really shines as a negotiator, and I think this movie really is about Anakin and Ahsoka's like a, sta- a newly established relationship. And as Obi-Wan acts as like a father figure to Anakin in this situation. Yeah, he really does. And what we talked about earlier about it being kind of a film of transition for both the audience and characters, it's it's Obi-Wan is watching Anakin come into a mentorship role just like he did when he didn't think he was ready. And mm-hmm. the circumstances felt just as dire, if not more, for Obi-Wan when he took Anakin because his master had just died. But I think I think that's what's so great about Obi-Wan still being a main character in this is because it really is – the Clone Wars is posited as like seeing the adventures of Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
But like the main, like Ahsoka is our point of view in all mm-hmm. of this. So the times when they're all together, the three of them, it's just, it's some of the best, I think, Ugh, because so good. they're just, it's like who's on whose side in any given situation. <laughs> it's always changing. And I loved seeing Obi-Wan kind of laugh at Anakin in this situation where he has this really rash uh, Padawan right out of the gate when he was literally just standing on top of a building and jumping <laughs> off of it and that was a-okay. <laughs> also, it, to some degree, I wonder if Obi-Wan feels like he's looking in a mirror and what he see, whether or not he sees Anakin in Ahsoka um, in this like feisty young Padawan who's desperate to prove herself, like what I was saying before about like what Anakin sees in Ahsoka that mm-hmm. bonds them for life, I suppose. And I I wonder if Obi Wan sees that too, and is is like, oh yeah, now now you know what it's like. <laughs> you know, it's it's this like this fatherly mutuality. I think that is is really an interesting dynamic that you haven't really seen until this movie between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Well, what's what I love about all of their dynamic is that I think if you were to talk to Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka, you know, once they're Force ghosts, right, I feel like they, they would look back at this time as their golden age. And... Aww. Right. But, but, and I think like when we were younger watching it, that's what it felt like. And I think because of, you know, the quippy comedy and and it is, you know, it is a, it is aimed at a younger audience. It's not PG 13, you know, it's not something like that. It's action packed. We've got this, you know, bombastic music and everything. It is, it's an adventure. It's really high spirited. But, Something that I think becomes a lot clearer down the line through this series is that, no, this is the beginning of the end and it's going to take dark turns. And this is, you know, that's why I'm I'm so fascinated about where we're going to leave these characters because this goes back to about like this whole conversation of having like animation and this story in particular be at the same, like be treated as a film or as something that's live action and on the big screen. So if it is seamless, just how seamless is it going to be and where will we leave them? Because Dave has always talked about the challenges with the character of Anakin because you can't, you can't make him too smart to what's going on in the Clone Wars <laughs> because his fall has to be believable. And for his fall to continue to be believable of looking at this character arc throughout film and TV series, we have to be laying in the pieces of him like basically being picked apart by his own inner demons and manipulation. But at the same time, we still want to have fun. It's like this very fine line and balancing act. And It's sad because on the small scale of the characters that we care the most about, Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan and Padme, I really do think that they would – maybe not Padme because I feel like she's doing a lot more in like the Senate situation. But (laughs) I think like Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka, they would consider this their golden age of like if I could go back and relive some days, I would want to go back then. Like they would only see the highlights. But when we're outside of it looking at this huge picture, we're the one seeing Palpatine contact Dooku about kidnapping Rhoda in one breath. And then then in the next, he's like, oh, Padme, like come to my office. Let's have a cup of tea. And like we're seeing – all of the bigger pieces of their downfall that is so imminent on the horizon. And it's just, it's this really s- strange and 
like fascinating contrast, I think, because there are they are so lovable in this time of of like decay of the republic. Mm-hmm. It's man, it's good. It's it's very layered. And I yeah. think that to your point, you're right. I think that they do consider this their glory days almost so much so that Obi-Wan in A New Hope says before the dark times, before the empire when he's talking about the clone wars. And I think that this is, you're right, is definitely the golden age. But at the same time, it is dotted, like you mentioned, with so much darkness and so much unresolved tension, too. (laughs) They're, like, completely pushing past so much. And um, I put this quote into the notes, but I think it's maybe the best quote in, um, in the Clone Wars movie. It's the one that I think has, like, makes you kind of stop and scratch your head. Ahsoka says... Master Yoda says, old sins cast long shadows. Do you know what he means by that? And Anakin, this is on Tatooine, which is important. Anakin says, he means your past can ruin your future if you allow it. I think that quote really makes you stop and think, what is the Clone Wars even telling, right? What is it showing that, what is it saying about the past? What is it saying about like these glory days? Are they really glory days? Is everything resolved? Is anything is is anything going to be resolved? And I think the answer is no, because there's just so much conflict. Mm-hmm. And yes, the past will end up defining Anakin because he doesn't work through any of his emotions, yeah. especially when he's on Tatooine and he returns back. I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but he returns back and it's like, he he pushes all he conceals all he does is conceal right yeah and he won't talk to ahsoka and so much so that ahsoka doesn't even know that anakin is a slave until until like season five yeah season four yeah the the end of like the end of the clone wars really is when she realizes that and all and it doesn't even come from anakin it comes from obi-wan and so they're not speaking to each other in this way and yes it's the glory days but it's also not because the shadow overtakes them all. Well, that's the thing. It's like there isn't really a golden age. No. You know, history is a dark place no matter what time period you're in. You're just trading different evils, basically. Mm-hmm. But you have this idea of, you know, like, ah, high school. Those were my glory days. And it's like, well, no, you were super stressed about college. <laughs> and everything. <laughs> and everything else. You know, like pimples were a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, and totally different teenager. Yeah, but like there isn't a glory age, and I think because I think that like the Clone Wars movie is kind of the best balance of all of this because we do have this super uh, gung ho immediate relationship, the energy that you can just feel between Anakin and Ahsoka. We're seeing Obi Wan and Anakin at their prime, and all of this. But and we've talked about the bigger picture of like what the Jedi are doing and Palpatine too. But like you mentioned here at the end, the fact that the Jedi sent Anakin back to Tatooine to mm-hmm. rescue Jabba's son, Tatooine, the place where he was enslaved, and all of the Jedi know that Anakin has issues with attachment. And with letting go and with harboring anger. And they send him back here with a brand Not new that, Padawan. His mother was sold to Gardula the Hutt. So yeah. his 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 slavery is in, intertwined with, with the Huts. The Huts. Yeah. It's, it's just – it's crazy that the Jedi would think that that's a good idea knowing what they know about Anakin because they do know that Anakin – is fraught with emotion. It's something they're always talking about. And yet 
they still send him here. And not only do they send him here, but then what you were referencing, this whole conversation with Ahsoka, um, she doesn't, he doesn't tell her about his past for years, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though their story literally starts here. And we see this instantaneous relationship with them, but it's not like Anakin will do anything to keep that buried. Yeah. And so even, I mean, not just that is buried, but like Anakin's relationship with Padme is completely buried until, you know, I think Ahsoka has some ideas and some conversations hint at it, but I still don't think that Ahsoka really thinks that it's like, oh no, he's secretly married. (laughs) You know, it's not that it's, I don't think she thinks that it's that deep, but it is that deep. And that's how Anakin is, is that everything is really that deep, but it's unresolved. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's it's crazy that, you know, this is such a fun adventure, but we really are seeing these things. And, and the Clone Wars does this throughout every episode. You're seeing pieces of this. And, that, and that's what I, what we were talking about earlier of just that balance between like, this is, this is the great time to see Anakin and Obi-Wan at their best as Jedi Knights. And now they've got this like third wheel that's just going to make it more fun, you know, uh, but it, it's all about to it's all about to crash and Mm -hmm. they just don't know it yet but we do wow the inevitability of it all the inevitability of fate oh man man i love it me too i i I really like the clone wars movie too i think it's a fun set of episodes a good a fun movie and i I, like you said in the beginning of the show i look upon it with a lot of nostalgia Mm -hmm. yeah definitely okay Well, is there anything else we want to say about the Clone Wars movie? No. Okay. Well, I think that is going to wrap up this week's episode of pre-Clone Wars Clone Wars (laughs) with our first episode all about the Clone Wars movie, going back to where it started. If you haven't watched the Clone Wars movie, I would definitely recommend it. But you should also go in chronological order if you're if you're into that sort of thing, which if you just type in chronological Clone Wars on Google – Star Wars, of course, has like a whole article about it because they know that it's insane and (laughs) they have their own. (laughs) So you should definitely look that up. But you guys know where to find us online. Our Twitter is at SkyTalkersPod. Charlotte's personal handle is at Clarity. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher. We're also on Instagram, Facebook. We have our website and our email. You can find us wherever you get your social media content delivered. That was a weird sentence, but we have our survey and newsletter that you can do slash sign up for if you're interested in either of those. You can also leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear uh, on Sky Talkers. We would really appreciate it like a lot, a lot, a lot. And if you want to support us in other ways, you can also head on over to our Discord. I'm sorry, our Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) where you can get access to our discord um, at all reward levels actually so uh, head on over there if you want more information and yes and i want to say a huge thank you to these patrons ben fiorella marty spencer jenna jessica mike thomas bridget shelbo james kate nathan joey and jason thank you all so much for supporting us Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.
Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.